So hi everyone, welcome to the Fashion Clinic's second live panel discussion in 2021. I am Isadora, I will be hosting the event tonight and my co-host Margot is a fellow Fashion Clinic member. Um, a little brief introduction to the Fashion Clinic. So the Fashion Clinic is an exciting hub for those interested and involved in the fashion industry. Is that we are connecting everyone from aspiring entrepreneurs to industry professionals and we approach fashion from a holistic point of view. So our main goal is to facilitate conversation and to help each other in our community grow, exchange knowledge and mainly make connections. So a little bit what we've already done, we've started this year off by creating the Fashion Clinic YouTube channel and a Spotify account. We have recorded numerous podcast series where we touch the topic on sustainability, fashion in a post-COVID world. We've discussed many innovative ideas and we've also introduced a lot of young fashion entrepreneurs from around the world who are thriving with their curiosity and passions. And now we've decided that it's time for our community to meet in person and really exchange ideas. So we want to encourage you that you feel free to ask questions during the event, write them in the chat or maybe raise your hand and we wanna hear your voices. We wanna know who you are, what you're doing. So please join, join us in our conversation. Um, we also have some very exciting guests tonight. Um, our goal was to discuss breaking in the boundaries, the boundaries of business modeling in the fashion industry, in particularly focusing on young creatives entering the fashion industry. Our panelists tonight are Claudio Marinko Mores, Farah Liz Palaro, and Habib Patel, and they all have experiences working with young creatives and are helping them shape their business ideas, helping them discover their creative identities and mentoring them on their growth. And I would love it, I would love to invite them to introduce themselves. And uh, Claudio, do you feel comfortable breaking the ice? Okay, I'll, I'll start. I'll start that. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Claudio Marencomones. I'm from Italy. I'm an educator and a consultant. Um, I studied as a, I studied architecture and majored in architecture, but eventually I worked all my professor, professional life in the fashion industry uh, as a writer first, as a journalist, and then I moved on to products and then ended up. Uh, being merchandiser and product manager for like big projects like Calvin Klein collection uh, and then the individual group uh, for the brand Pucci. Uh, throughout that period I literally randomly ended up like and casually ended up teaching and now it's my main job since 2015. I uh, in these years in this 15 years of teaching I ended up also teaching, like managing the department, being the head of the fashion department for an international fashion school. And now I'm collaborating with another international fashion school also. And I'm consulting young brands and young designers in the first steps in the industry, mostly with startups and mostly with young entrepreneurs. Thank you. Habib? I'll unmute. Okay. Uh, Great to meet you all out there in the ether. Uh, my name is Habib Patel. Uh, I'm a branding consultant. I, I own a company called Discover. Uh, and we create brands, but we also create uh, experiences, uh, whether it's a user experience or a physical experience. Um, 
digital experience, we, uh, we plan out, design, create, and deliver all of those. My background started with uh, advertising agencies such as Ogilvy and Saatchi and Saatchi, and went on to pure branding agencies such as Interbrand, Landor, and Curly Portobello. And uh, for the last eight years, in one form or another, I've been running either a, a business in a partnership or my own business now with Discover. And most rewardingly, uh, I have recently, uh, over the last two, three years, been involved with the London College of Fashion uh, Masters in Innovation and Entrepreneurship, uh, fashion, of course. Uh, and that has been fantastic. It's been a really rewarding experience. Um, one of the things I, I've learned is that uh, giving back is really rewarding. And I should have started that process many years ago because it's, uh, it's, it's been a revelation. It's fantastic. That's me. <laughs> Thank you. And Sara, please tell us about yourself. Thank you, Isadora. First of all, I love when you say that the fashion clinic has a holistic approach. That's the, <laughs> that's the way <laughs> to go in the fashion industry. Um, my name is Faralis Palaro. Um, as we discussed before, when we were introducing ourselves uh, before the meeting, I, I studied law school, but I never, I never work as a lawyer. And then I start working, I start studying fashion design. Um, I had my degree as fashion designer and I started working as a fashion designer for luxury companies. Uh, and sorry, because I have all the light here, I look like <laughs> suddenly the, the, the heavens open. Um, so as I was saying, I started working as a fashion designer for luxury brands, fancy luxury brands. And at one point, as I mentioned to you, before guys, I was feeling a little bit that I didn't have a life. Uh, so I quit my perfect job on paper and I start, uh, I opened my consultancy studio back in 2010. I started doing consultancy for fashion brands, designers, and, and also different type of companies. And I start teaching by case, same as happened with Claudio and I discover mentoring. And this is why I decided to, to become a, a mentor. And in 2018, I published my first book, Fashion Business Spirituality. And my life changed again. So now I'm also you know, writing books. And uh, as Habit says, um, trying to support as much possible you, those emerging designers, emerging brands. And, and it's a very, very rewarding thing and something that I encourage all those fashion professionals out there with years of experience to give back to the new generations because it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, profession, it's a beautiful job. So this is it. I'm gonna close my curtains because I don't see you guys completely. <laughs> Suddenly the sun. Thank you for this introduction. Um, so Margot can agree with me when we were at the fashion clinic, when we were preparing the questions to start off with, um, we wanted to first focus on your experiences working with young creatives and what kind of trends have you noticed that within their creative work? So what problems are young fashion creatives currently trying to solve? I can 
jump in first. I'm, I'm a non-fashion person. So I'm kind of coming from a different angle. I'm coming from the branding area. And what, what I've loved about, you know, knowing what's, uh, you know, know the breadth of projects, especially at, uh, at LCF, um, is that there's a real kind of desire to be part of society rather than just a fashion brand. And I think that, that for me is, is, is a fantastic revelation. And if I was coming into that relationship fresh, I would have encouraged people to think in those terms. And, you know, it was great to see that it was already there. Um, you know, of course, people are talking about sustainability. Of course, people are talking about waste and fast fashion and, and all of these really prescient issues. Uh, but it goes beyond the issues. And I think that's where I, I was really um, uh, kind of heartened and, and uh, felt very positive about, uh, about, you know, the different projects and ideas that I came across. It, it goes beyond that. It's, it's about finding a place in society and being useful to society. So if the 20th century was marked by uh, uh, commerce for commerce's sake, we're now in a century, I think that would be defined by commerce for the sake, for the, for the good of humanity and uh, for the good of the world, not just humanity. Uh, and th that's what I'm beginning to kind of sense uh, so I wanted to, uh, you know, if I was to say, what am I finding about mentoring and, and uh, building relationships within the fashion industry, is that I think there's a real desire that's incredibly inspiring. I think that's really, really uh, great uh, and uh, worth, worth expanding on. Anna, do you want to go? Yes, I, I totally agree with Harry. No, uh, um, I always say this thing that the best business is the one good for you, good for the client, good for the world, right? And I think that is something that young talents and you know emerging entrepreneurs have very clear in mind. You know that um, I was saying this, discussing this with an editor the other day, and I was saying, look, I think the change eventually in the fashion industry is going to be led by this small medium brands or small medium companies, not as far as I see and not the big ones for sure. And I'm very hopeful to see this energy that this, um, that this young talent have and, and, and you know, people that is not scared. Speaking with this editor, she was talking to me about uh, this company. I forget the name of the company. We'll check that and send it you after maybe. Uh, it's an agency that this three young ladies have created uh, and it's all about bringing well-being to the fashion industry i would say yes <laughs> you know that's that's been my little crusade since years you know um the human as the people tell point that sustains the whole because as i always said before products and services there's people creating those products and services so you know that those aspects should be priority and i think the movement is versus that direction. Um, can I be like a little, I, I have a slightly, like it goes in the same direction, but it's a slightly different perspective, I think. Uh, and especially, um, I do see a trend. I do see some definitely positive signs as Abib and Farah are noticing, and that's so 
reassuring that maybe we planted some good seeds in a way, but also I see that um, in many institution, in many like, let's say even fashion design school, um, there's still like a pattern that is repeating uh, and only, and, and it's very easy to be uh, tricked in that pattern for young, for young designers. I think that um, what I see and it's positive is that obviously it's meant to good, meant for good, but it's a, uh, some designers, they do have a systemic approach to fashion. They, they not think in fashion per fashion sake, as like only for fashion sake, but they think fashion as a, as a system. They, they think fashion as a, like a process and they, they apply the design thinking to the old process, not just to the output. And that I think it's, it's the positive sign that I start seeing, but uh, the pace of the industry and also the demands of some schools, they do not align to that, which to me, it's, the, it's a big issue. Would you say there is a difference with uh, fash fashion design students trying to start their own businesses compared to uh, students with a business background, the way they approach patterns in business modeling, and um, maybe is there a shift in the thinking based on the experience that you have? Um, I think we're going to repeat a lot of times the, the word holistic, uh, because it's, it's like, to me, it means a systemic approach. It means that we're not only designing what it gets into the market, but we design how the people interact with that, how we source the materials, how we distribute that, we scale our businesses to the purpose and not just to the, 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 the size, but this like limitless size that uh, the industry gave us as a reference in the past. Uh, like the bigger, the better, like uh, it, it's, it's non-relevant for now. And I see the most amazing, at least in my small scenario of customer of clients and uh, even the students, the ones that scale their business organically are the one and they sort of manage. To me, there's no distinction between like, it's not business or creativity. It's everything goes together. Um, what I learned from my architecture background and architecture slash industrial design background is that, you know, you need to, to design the old process. And I think now I see that happening and I try humbly to teach it to, to students also. Um, Thank you, Claudio, for mentioning, uh, for mentioning your last point, because I wanted to ask you, um, fashion students are doing new things in old ways. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the root? It's the root problem of it uh, it's a complication uh, it, it's it's very complicated i think that uh the root problem is that um the times have changed uh generations have different purposes and i think your generation as uh like gen z and late millennials definitely they show greater potential than previous generations i would say but you need to change the game it's a game that's been designed by someone else. You cannot just apply a new value, like you better values to that game, change it, disrupt it. I mean, um, uh, I was talking to a client before uh, today and 
he was all like, oh, I need to present my goods in the showroom and then the showroom. And, and I was showing him, I was trying to, to, to tell him that that's the wrong way. His business is not scaled to that. It doesn't need the usual pipeline. He can disrupt even the presentation of his goods. It can change, like it changed everything else, but he wanted to play the game of commerce as it is, which, which I don't know, to me, it's nonsense. I think uh, there's something interesting about this shift between the 20th and the 21st century. And the, the start of the 21st century has been so traumatic in so many ways uh, that people haven't had the chance to just take a step back. And to Claudio's point, there's some people who have taken a step back. Uh, now, whether you like him or not, uh, Elon Musk is one of those people who's taken a step back and has said to himself, we're going to do business in a different way. We're going to go back to first principles. That's what he calls it. Steve Jobs did it before, and there's so many pioneers who are doing it now. And I think that, I, I think that thinking afresh is very hard to do over the last two decades because there's been so much noise going on. And I think sometimes thinking afresh um, requires you asking the question, why am I in this? And as soon as you ask that question and answer that question really honestly, why am I in this? Why am I going through this? What am I doing? What's my purpose, et cetera? And which I know is a question that the entrepreneurship uh, students ask all the time. Uh, it, it, the, 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 as you know, to use the language that Claudio is using, the game changes. Uh, it's happened to me, and it's probably happened to me way too late in my life. But um, I think, you know, great to hear that you guys are asking that question. You may not know you're asking that question, but do ask that question if you're not. Uh, it's never too late. Uh, you know, we, we kind of parallel tracking the same point between myself and, and Claudio in that, People have been doing commerce, commerce business in a certain way. They've become, you know, first time in history, there are business stars. Business people are celebrities. You know, that's a very weird, you know, Richard Branson, all of these people, they're, they're celebrities now. You know, Victoria Beckham, she's become a celebrity. She was a celebrity and now has become a fashion designer. So there is a glorification of that. There is a glorification, um, a glorification excuse me. There is a glorification of that, and we, we need to be kind of uh, aware of that and keep asking ourselves, go back, just step back, just just sit back and have a have a hope, you know, a, a, a look at the whole picture. It just gives us a different perspective. I would like to add something to, to answer also to you, Isadora. I think that independently of the generation, you know, um, the, the root cause is that, you know, actually we don't want to change. That's the base, it's very human, right? We, we, we have a resistance to change. But the funny thing is that life is about process of changing constantly, cyclically. So um, the, now, of course, because of everything that happened uh, in different levels in the fashion industry, professionals have this resistant to change, even if we all know that what we have pre or March 2020 is not going to come back. And the people that doesn't want to see that is the people that is in big trouble, right? 
because like, like I always said, I mean, you need to force yourself, and this is when creativity comes to rescue you, you need to force yourself to see doors where you were seeing walls before, you know? In, in times of crisis, there is this thing that we say in Italy, there's people that is crying and people that is selling clinics, right? So it's, you need to find the key. So uh, the structure of the fashion as a system, especially the one that was created 30 years ago, you know, it's very dense and it's not designed necessarily for emerging brands to succeed. That's another chapter that we can discuss for hours and hours. And it's not just in the fashion industry, it's in many industries. But I think that what Claudio also was saying, what we are observing independently if it's design students or business students is that this new generation have a different set of values, you know, a different set of one things, you know. Um, I was discussing this with a friend of mine that he is the head designer of uh, Miu Miu, and he was telling me that uh, he has these two colleagues that have small children, like 10 years old, 12 year old children. And for Christmas, uh, the mom were asking, what do you want for Christmas? And those kids were saying nothing. I already have a lot of stuff. And my friend had like an aha moment and said, I am not going to have a job soon because those generations are going to be consumers, you know? So now there is this joint generations of no logo, less consumerism, less is more, blah, blah, blah. And fashion should be pay very much attention to that. And soon, because they're here. They're, they're, they're going to be the, the consumers pretty soon. So going back to the root cause, you know, if we um, allow the change, embrace the change, it is scary, but, you know, the uncertainty is a constant in our life. We, we have always uncertain. Nothing is certain. You enter a job, you don't know how it's going to go. You start a relationship, you don't know how it's going to go. So it's, it's an illusion, this this think of holding to what I know, right? So yeah, that's that's how I see it when it comes to part of the root of, of what is happening. So yeah. for example, if um, young creatives that are, you know, newer generation of consumers also bringing their own values, um, how would you say that what kind of mistakes are they making following the conventional systems of entering the market by, but also introducing the new values? Well, I think, you know, I, first of all, mistakes is a great thing. <laughs> let's, let's say that. I, I encourage, and I think, you know, both Claudia and Habibi will convey, you know, when you, when you're an entrepreneur, it's about trial and error, right? So mistakes should be a constant in your life. You learn with mistakes. You don't learn with success. You learn with mistakes. So that's the first thing. When it comes to these new generations, at least Isadora, they are trying. They are trying. They are taking risks. And of course, it's also because when you have a certain age, you are more fearless, right? But they are trying. And, and this is already a great thing. And if you follow your intuition, of course, I'm talking now about some spiritual <laughs> approach, but you know, if you follow your heart, your intuition, your, not your ego, but what you really want to do because your heart tells you that is the path. You know, We all have this internal compass. It, it always going to expand whatever you will do. And I, this is what I tried to say to this emerging talents. I said, 
follow your intuition. You think this is the right thing? Even if you, everyone is telling you no, I tell you this for first experience, you know, when I start writing the book, you know, you can imagine I didn't say anything to anyone because you need to go to what your intuition says and do not pay attention to the external noise because otherwise that is going to condition big time your choices but you know to answer your questions i think that they're trying first of all uh, i will tell them don't worry about mistakes it's perfectly fine it's part of the game and the more mistakes you do the more you learn and at one point after an enormous um, amount of mistakes you will finally learn <laughs> and you will finally know oh this is what i should do this is my purpose. This is my path. This is, you know, this is how I can give, I can contribute, you know? Yeah, I mean, without, I mean, that's just great. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, I mean, without overcomplicating it, uh, I always say to the students that uh, uh, on the masters is uh, know your story, you know, know your story, know the story of your brand, know, know what you're creating, know that first, and, and then if you want to copy others, great, no problem at all, because through copying, you can actually get better and you can create your own voice. But if you don't know your own story, it's really hard. And that's, that's, the, that's the difficult bit. You know, I, I, I can spot just from instincts, because I've been working with brands so, so long, I can spot authenticity in brands so quickly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I was trained to do it 15, 20 years ago. But now, the modern day audience are brand literate. So they don't need to have it explained whether, the, whether a brand is authentic or not. Uh, the, the authentic brands actually know, well, you will know the authentic brands just from instinct, you know, as an, as an audience member. So, uh, you know, again, this is, this is something that I don't need to teach anybody, but it's worth re revisiting as a principle is that, you know, all the all the students are on the on the masters, they've learned how to know their own story and to trust their own story, and then go from there because you, you can't fake a story. You can't um, uh, you can't uh, you know twist that it, it, it into your uh, into your business model. Uh, you you have to have it whole. Um, so the the authenticity part is is <laughs> when people say. Let's have an authentic brand. You know, clients actually say that to us. We, we want to have a really authentic brand. Well, we, we say to them, we, we can't make you authentic. You have to be authentic. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that, it just going off the back of what Faris is saying, which is so interesting. Uh, I, I'd say stick to that, you know, have a real sense of knowing what your story is. And, and there's also there's also another factor that which I think that it's it's generational and it's a good sign for fashion and for the industry in general is that I see more and more young designers, young entrepreneurs willing to collaborate. They sort of learned that collaborate like that fashion now like never before or maybe even before but before it was not a knowledge. It's it's a matter of sharing ideas and sharing experiences and it's a it's it's not a, a one-man game it's it, it's something that we do together uh, to to achieve our grounds I do, um, and i think that even the model of competition that it's been inst instilled in 
fashion schools in uh, in the industry, like I win, you lose kind of thing. It's I don't know, it's obsolete. And and when when the when when the students show that, it, even a project like yours, it's it's a good, it's an amazing proof of that, uh, in which you exchange information instead of keeping them all for you, like it's a it's a secret that if you share it, it loses its value. Um, it multiplies instead. So that, that's that that's the 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 thing that give me hope for the future and. I don't know, make me go to work with a smile. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the, the thing I observe. Yeah. Yeah, we are, we are moving towards a, a we culture. Um, people have realized that we're social beings. We need each other. We, we need each other for everything. And uh, it's beautiful when you see people coming together, we can create amazing things. And I think all of you, demonstrate that you know there's an interesting example i completely agree with what you're saying claudio and marco um there's an interesting example and i and i we spoke to a client about it this week actually and the the example is that there's a dish called chicken tikka masala okay now in britain everybody thinks it's a it's a it's an indian dish you will never find it in india but if you bring india and britain together you get chicken tikka masala Right, so nobody in India eats chicken tikka masala. It doesn't exist. Here in Britain, it exists because you've got you know Bangladeshi and Indian uh, restaurateurs for the last fifty years who are who have slowly evolved dishes to cater to uh, British palates, and all of a sudden you've got this thing that didn't exist before. So if that's a, a it's a culinary example, if you like. Of, of something that, you know, this is how, this is how new ideas sometimes get created, you know, uh, you, you, you clash opposites together. <laughs> I, I, I like that example very much. And especially because as we talked about, you know, connecting to each other, exchanging knowledge, there has been a lot of conversations on mental health in the fashion industry. And Farah, you actually talk a lot about this. And I would love for you to, to tell us a little bit about your book, because your book touches the topic on spirituality. So please. Thank you, dear. Uh, I'm not selling the book. Huh? It's, it sounds like I'm selling the book. No, I'm not selling the book. Um, yeah. Well, when it comes to, to, to the methodology of the book, you know, it's, it's something I created from a very simple um, a point of departure. You know, when I was uh, a designer, a fashion designer back then in those hungry fashion days, like I call them in Milan, uh, what, what kept, kept me alive, <laughs> it was, you know, the fact that I was very lucky to grow up in a very spiritual family. And, you know, spirituality has nothing to do with religion. It's the first thing that I always clarify. You can be a spiritual person and, you know, not believe in any religion, you know, so it has nothing to do. But those techniques that those ancient spiritual philosophies that exist in thousands of years have left us, and there is a reason if they still work today, those well-being techniques were the ones that kept me you know, in balance somehow or avoid me to go in fully to burn out 
which is linked to mental health issues uh, when I was a fashion designer. So at one point I said, I want people to avoid to pass through what I have to pass, right? So this is why I create this book. But when it comes to mental health, Isadora, which is another argument in the fashion industry, I can tell you what I said once that I was invited to this panel in London about um, creativity and mental health for the fashion industry. And I remember there was a lot of PhD uh, doctors and mental health practitioners with a lot of titles, very impressive people. And there was like a full, the, the, the room was full of fashion professionals and they were talking about mental health issues. And you can see the basis of the professionals there. And I. I raised my hand in the panel and said, can, you've been speaking about depression for half an hour. Can you say what depression is? Because let's start from the basis. Uh, there is a lot of fashion professionals that they have depression. They don't know they have depression because they don't know what depression is, right? So I think, you know, uh, also the reason why in a very humble way I wanted to introduce this concept is because there is a lack of information, you know, a sort of taboo about this concept in the fashion industry. But it's like Claudia was saying, it's a very fast paced industry with a lot of a high stress level industry, right? So, you know, health issues always come up in one way or another, you know, because we're not machines, we're human beings. And, and I think the, 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 the information is key. And, and yes, and this is what I, what I hopefully try to do with my work and also with what I write, yeah. It's so necessary to avoid burnout and all those things that we know very well. Yeah. I would like to know also how does that, that what you believe in translates in all of your work, working with people, so in your consultancy work, how does that look like? How do you approach brands that come to you with questions for help? How does the work process look like? Well, what I, you know, going back to what we discussed at the beginning about the value system and everything, you know, since, since I started my professional career, I, I always have very clear in mind my ethics and my values not always stick to them I'm not perfect I made a lot of mistakes same as everyone uh, but because again I had that background of a spiritual practice I believe in this you know when people ask me what is the spirituality I always said common sense you know <laughs> I mean you just and and you know ethics is something that should be present in the in the fashion industry because that is like a compass that guide you to make decisions proper decisions instead of just profit and all those which is nothing wrong to want to earn money by selling your products and services that's perfectly fine but that cannot be the main motivator right and with the companies that i mentor i try always to 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 discuss with them, you know, what is their big reason why, what is their, their value systems, what are, what are, you know, the, 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 why, like Habib was saying, why you want to do a fashion brand in the first place, you know, be brutally honest with yourself, do we need another brand, <laughs> do we really need another brand, do we need more product, you know, nowadays, so you, you start from there, and you try to be absolutely honest with yourself, and coherent with yourself, and set your scheme of values, and that will lead you to the scheme of priorities, and your actions, and so on, you know, in, in the book, I speak about 
the heart-driven companies versus the fear-driven companies, right? So, and the difference between the first ones and the other ones. So what I try to, to mentor my clients always or, or, or the students when I teach is like, you know, the, the follow the path of the heart-driven company, right? And, and yes, and the spirituality in my case helps. There's many people that believe also and apply these philosophies. But again, if you stick to ethics, you don't have to apply, I don't know, the Tao philosophy or, you know, Kabbalah or Buddhist or whatever, you know, that, you know, ethics is just perfectly fine <laughs> as a starting point. Uh, personally, uh, I sort of resonate with, obviously, Father, we, we talk a lot about, about that in our friendly conversations, but also with what Abib will say, when, when I face new clients or when I work with clients, it's, um, it's, I, I, I never present myself like having the magic formula. There's no such thing, that, like there's no one way to design. There's not one methodology that you can teach. You can teach one of many methodologies. You can teach many methodologies, but it's what resonates with you. It's what attains to your values. It what's, uh, it, it's what's relevant for you. And again, there's no need for more products. There's no need for other brands per se. Um, and, and, and sometimes that's the trickiest, <laughs> that's also professionally, it's the trickiest <laughs> topic to face with the client because they, they come to you like you had the answers. Well, I don't know, maybe I learned it through analysis and through like therapy myself, but it, it's a process of self-discovery. What works for you possibly works for others if you know it well and if you can manage that strength other than that it's it's just like it's again there's no formula i have no recipe for success which, which is good for everybody at least thank you for mentioning this claudio and apologies for interrupting you um i i, I was actually reading something that every 10 years our sales change so we become a new person every 10 years. It, it's fascinating to realize that because we, we often have this realization, for example, in our 20s, oh, but I want different things. I'm not the same person that I was before. And it happens every, every year we become a new person, we evolve. And maybe the brand we initially wanted to do has nothing to do with making clothes. Maybe it's having a, sharing your story, having a stronger way, helping people. It's at the core of every one of us, I think, I believe. It's an interesting word that was mentioned there from Claudia. It's, it's relevance. Relevance is, I think, uh, you know, a, a word I think that will become more and more uh, interesting to everybody. You know, uh, asking yourself what the purpose, or, you know, where you're leading, uh, but also it, it defines. Uh, it will define, I think, what will happen in the next decade or so. Because, uh, as I say, I think there's been so much noise for the last two decades, so much conflict, so much, you know, it, everything's in your face. Uh, and I think clarity will become a lot more sought after and desired, uh, you know, in our lives, in our careers, but also if you're talking about fashion brands, then clarity and relevance, I think will, will be far more interesting to consumers than, uh, uh, than, than ever before, I think. It's interesting there's brands like Arquette's coming up and they're, they're, 
you know, espousing slow fashion. They're saying, we're gonna be about things that will last you for decades. And there's brands such as Patagonia, which are really interesting. They're saying, don't buy our goods, we'll repair, bring, a, bring, a, bring us your goods and we'll repair them. So bring us your old coats and we'll repair it. So there's an interesting question about relevance. You know, there's, there's bigger issues in fashion going on out there. Uh, so how does fashion or any other area become relevant? You know, if you're a lawyer, how you can be relevant. If you're a fashion, if you're in the fashion industry, how are you going to become relevant? If you're in zoology, how, do you, how are you going to become uh, relevant? Um, I, I also kind of mentor some kids in the local area. And, and that's the question I ask them. You know, when, 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 when I ask them, so what do you want to do with your life? Uh, and they're kind of struck a little bit because they think I was going to ask them, what, do you, what job do you want? And I said, but what do you want to do with your life? And that becomes a different question for them. And then you get a, an amazing conversation with children when you ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? You know, uh, becomes a different conversation. Well, maybe parents would ask, what job do you want to do? And we'll lead you down that path. So I think, you know, clarity, relevance, there's a purity of the approach that I think will emerge in the next few years and over the last over the next decade. Indeed. Yeah, and I would like to to add something, if you allow me. I of course I agree with both Claudia and Habib. I think that it's it's also important to understand that because of everything that happened, okay, but not necessarily just for everything that happened in the last a year and a half, but it was already that change going before. The needs and the wants have changed, you know? Going back to what we discussed about the values and everything, the needs and the wants. And fashion is one of those industries that have pushed very much the wants, right? You know, if you buy that 3000 bag, uh, bag from Gucci, you're gonna be enough. You know, if you so the status thing and that, but that has changed because the, the, the period of introspection that we all have lived in the last year and a half, it doesn't matter what level of, you know, journey you are in your life, we all have passed through that introspection process. Our needs and our wants have completely changed, right? So going back to why an emerging a fashion designer, a student, you know, that wishes to launch their brand or a business is to, you know, pay attention to the wants and the needs of the people because you are going to do, make sure you're going to do a brand or a business for others, not for you, not to feed your ego, right? Because if you want to feed your ego, it's going to be very expensive, believe me, as a learning process. But if you have in mind, of course, you know, that you are doing the stuff for others, you know, that is the right mindset to start with. You know, what I, I always said this to, you know, I have many friends that are already professionals with 20, 30 years of expertise. And they say, Far, I want to write a book. Can you help me with this? Because I want to talk about this. And I said, look, my advice is that remember that books are for others, not for you. <laughs> you know, it's a message that is for others. It's other people that is going to buy your book, same as it's other people that is going to buy your products and services. So have that in mind. So if the wants and the needs have changed it big time, you know, pay attention to that and do not 
put yourself in that process of building a brand or a company because of your ego in order to become, you know, like Habib was saying, the celebrity, right? Because most likely that is not going to happen. <laughs> it, it, what is going to happen is a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration. So that is... A lot of no's being said. Yeah, interesting, because also previously you talked about how challenging it is to adapt to change. So with what you've just told us and the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of change in the last year with COVID and, you know, a lot of, a lot of it has affected the fashion industry as well. Where do you see some kind of new opportunities starting that young creatives or the needs, the, where, where are some new needs that... Uh, need to be fulfilled? You know, I'm very passionate about this subject about the last year and a half. I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, there's, I think there's a whole section of society who have be, become a little bit paralyzed by what's happened with COVID. And I have tried to uh, get the message out there that this, is, this might be a once in a lifetime opportunity as well. You know, uh, this might be just the time to take a moment, breathe, step back, understand what's going on in the world, et cetera, and, and, and galvanize ourselves, you know, understand how important the, the climate crisis is and environment crisis is, as, and understand what's happening with race relations is, is not superficial. It's, this is it. Either we get it right now or we don't. So, I mean, that's just two examples, but I think that when this window closes, and it's closing very, very fast, you know, the, vi the vaccine is out there, people are so itching to get back. And I say, just slow down, because when this window closes, that opportunity might just go forever, because this might just be a once in a hundred year experience. And we've been, it's been horrible, but also we've been blessed because this is a this is a time where we can actually step back and take this opportunity. Thank you, Habib. I would like to ask you a question. Come following what you said, where do you see um, the fashion industry uh, the industry moving in twenty twenty one, and which opportunities do you see coming? For, for me, Marga. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Habib. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I'm actually. I'm going to answer that question in a broader sense. I, I'm, I think that fashion is part of society. And so what am I seeing in society? What am I seeing in the zeitgeist? And I think the zeitgeist is, is really interesting right now. It's so, so, uh, there's so many areas of flux. It's hard to grab hold of it, you know, hard to understand it. But I think that, as I said before, I think the idea of clarity, I think people are absolutely yearning clarity. I think people are absolutely yearning truth and clarity and, and simplicity and, and, um, uh, and, uh, and trust, you know, really simple things like that, uh, simply because they've been played with so often and so uh, intensely over the last two decades. And so I say to, I say to anybody who's in any areas, and, and including fashion, just try and understand the zeitgeist. Look, that's my interpretation of the zeitgeist right now, but it might not be the right interpretation. I say, go out there, find out what the zeitgeist is, and then become relevant to that. Uh, because um, 
it's a, it's a remarkable time. It's an incredible time right now. I mean, the other day, just think about this. The other day, Nancy Pelosi invited the family of George Floyd into Congress to talk about race justice. Think about that. This is this is 2021, and this is still an issue. So that that's just one example. That's just one little example. You know, our prime minister is today making, sorry, yesterday making um, tacit apologies for Islamophobia. 2021. So, so this is what I say is that I, I think just to, to everybody in fashion, I would say anybody in any area, just, just take a step back, understand what's going on in the zeitgeist and grab hold of it. Yes, indeed. And I think that from later science, we, we see that the business model is sort of collapsing of the previous industry by the desperate attempts to, you know, stick to the past model. Look what everybody's talking on, like in business boards and stuff like that, about uh, NFTs, for instance, which to me, it's a laugh. It, it's not meant to laugh. It, it's just like the last remnants of a system that doesn't know what to sell you anymore and is trying the last resources of inventing needs, which though are not relevant, which are going to deflate as soon as they start it. I'm not saying that the digital world is disappearing whatsoever, that that's going to be vital for the future, but not in those terms. It's going to be about inclusivity. It's going to be about connections. It's going to be about relevancy. It's going to be about all the big words that we mentioned, but not about consumption per se, as it's been shown. <laughs> like, like yesterday, I was reading an article. They sold an NFT Gucci bag for 4,000 bucks, which to me, it's it's utter nonsense but not just just because i'm from another generation i think it's just because do we need that are we really that rich that we can you know th th that we have everything else in the world including the immaterial goods that father is talking about the material values that are vital uh, i don't think so that's at least my take maybe i'll be wrong i don't know but I, I like to think I'm not. <laughs> and I totally agree with you. And you know, the, Habib, you said something that I think is key in these times, which is simplicity. Uh, I think that what you know, what 2020 uh, gift us to all of us, and you are, you know, locked down at home. You start seeing, you know, your life. What what I got my life into, and you start. We we all have this need to, you know, clean the 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 house and clean the wardrobe and you know take away all those extra weights we have put to ourselves. You know, in many areas of our life. And when going back to this new generations that they're trying to build something new. You know, if if they have if they start the process in a simple way and they pay attention to what life is telling you, because life is talking to us all the time. We are not paying attention, but the signs are there, very clear. 
you know? So to, to, to pay attention to what life is telling you and how it's guiding you, and, and to understand that we need to take responsibility for what we have created, because this is something that I always say when it comes to the fashion industry, we are all responsible for the industry we have. We are all responsible, myself, all of us, as professionals, the ones that we are inside, and also as consumers, right? We have a huge power as consumers. So what I see that is very beautiful is to see those emerging brands, designers, and you know, the students that they are um, again falling in love with the craft, especially in Italy. You know, we, we as Italians we love our made in Italy, the real one, not the fake one that luxury companies sell, the real one, <laughs> because it's a beautiful process it's a beautiful craft based on tradition based on values based on heritage based on family values many times so to see those those students or those designers that they are going back to those roots is it's it's a it's a good sign i think to 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 go into the simple simplicity and the essence of things in the process so so i hope that that is one of the many positive paths that can lead to, to real change in a way. Uh, I would love to know if you have any experiences in working in different markets. So, so comparing the fashion industry in Italy and in London, in, in the UK and some other parts of the world. I can talk to brands very briefly, uh, you know, across, uh, across the globe. And I think that there's, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, both Claudia and Farah hit upon a really interesting point. Uh, does everybody know this program, Dragon's Den? It, it just feels so irrelevant now. <laughs> you know, this conflict, you know, uh, ridden idea, you know, that we're going to make people nervous and quake in their boots. And, mm -hmm. and business is so not that anymore. Uh, yes, it's it's kind of scary and everything, but it's not that anymore. I think it's interesting for you guys to think about business and how you want to conduct business. It goes back to you know the the work life balancing. Uh, I think that that's a really interesting question. Uh, to answer your question, Isadora, across the globe, as far as brands are concerned, I think there's some really really interesting things happening. I think that the the European North American dominance of brands has broken down uh, over the last decade. If you just think about the film industry, the Korean and Indian film industries are outscoring Hollywood, for instance. So there's a lot of paradigm shifts that are happening. And I think you said it at the beginning, Isadora, I think it was you who said it, look out to the rest of the world. Some really interesting things happening. If you want to remain relevant, there's some nuggets and ideas and gems out there that I think will blow your mind if you if you just look for them. I have a little history that at the time sort of made me really upset, but uh, now I look at that with sort of I don't know it, it's it's somehow fun. It was a, the first lockdown we had in Italy, and everybody was obviously stuck at home and we couldn't work. And I was talking to some. Uh, friends from the States and they told me oh how lucky you are of not living in a capitalistic society we're bound to go to work and I was like that's a, that's a weird vision of the of the thing it's like 
we, we, I was not feeling lucky whatsoever, but I never saw myself of not being in a capitalistic society. I was like, uh, it, it was just like different perspective. I think that, yes, what I see in Italy is even here, I see that, I don't know, there's a global sense of this change, which is not bound to our, to, to geography, but it's bound to, I don't know, the air that we breathe, the, 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 I don't know, the state of the matter uh, in a way. And I think that if you tune in to that, you will see it yourself. Uh, I find a lot of resistance though, even in the, the education environment, sometimes it's very hard to bring new models or to not to stick to the syllabus in a way <laughs> that you had to plan ahead. I'd rather improvise I think I got a little experience, not, not to improvise because I didn't prepare myself, but just because every day is different and everything that I find, I teach every now and then classes of trend forecasting and I'm, I couldn't, I'm sorry, can I say I couldn't give a shit about what happens tomorrow and the colors of the next season? I want to know where the shifts are where the, the word is going, not where the colors for the next season, how much t-shirts in pink I can sell uh, for for winter. That, that is irrelevant to me. So, but it's very hard. I had to fight with my managers in the past to sort of, you know, change my programs because they wanted me to tell, okay, let's talk about prints. Let's talk about the colors for the season. Let's go talk about which material is going to be popping in in stores and i was like okay you know it's not my again it's not my game i don't want to play it anymore <laughs> yeah what about also maybe i wanted to end this conversations also before we go to questions um a little bit what were some of the things that some ideas or concepts that have really inspired you in the last time um, that can inspire everybody else by telling them. I'd like to mention something that I think everybody would be inspired by. There's a, there's a, a group called the Intersectional Environmentalists. And I don't know whether you've heard of them. Uh, they're a group, North American uh, group. And here's, here's, here's what I mean by relevance. Here's, here's what inspires me about relevance, right? So they, have recognized through their own experiences that they were cut off from experiencing the environment because they were, you know, they, they've lived in urban environments all their lives. Maybe a financial situation has cut them off from experiencing a mountain or experiencing a forest or experiencing the ocean or whatever it is. It's easy to connect to the environments when you have the means. So, intersectional environmentalists are opening up that discussion in America. And I find that incredibly interesting and incredibly inspiring because what they're saying is that, okay, you're right. We all should be taking responsibility. How do you want me to take responsibility if, you, if you're cutting me off from that experience? If you're cutting me off from that uh, connection between myself and the trees around me, the the ocean around me, the even the negative elements like the wildfires and the 
uh, dying coral around me. So, uh, so I, I found that incredibly interesting. If you go on the website, they've written a letter to President Biden, incredibly well-worded, and they've got a couple of videos on YouTube. Uh, I think that's what I mean by relevance. That's a group who are looking beyond their own sphere and understanding that there's bigger challenges and bringing it back to their own, uh, their own, uh, you know, uh, discipline, and bringing it back to their own skill set. Uh, so uh, check them out uh, if uh, you know if it inspires you. Wonderful, because it's inspired me. I've just linked their website in the chat. I, I think I've got the right one, and I've seen jo Georgie has been very busy <laughs> sharing your contacts as well, um, and we welcome you to. Please join us and ask your questions. I noticed that at the beginning there was a question waiting uh, from Reem. Do you still feel like asking your question? Please join us. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi, Claudia, and hi, Farah. It's nice to see you too. Hi, Reem. <laughs> How's everything? <laughs> you, hi. <laughs> Uh, Habib, nice to meet you. I'm um, just going to give a brief introduction before I ask my question. Um, my name is Reem. I live in Egypt and I have a small startup that's going into a business, a footwear brand. I studied interior architecture design and then I worked uh, in this field and then I did my master's and this is where I met Claudio and Farah um, in luxury business. And then as soon as I came out of um, my master's, I went back to my architecture um, field. And um, while I was doing my architecture work, I started this footwear brand. And then uh, I think you ask in between if it's necessary to have um, a background or a relevant to what you are working in. And personally, I see it now. Um, it's, it's very important to, to have understanding of the business, like how a business is actually being run and who is responsible for what and taking the decisions and being ethical about your employees and about the product that you put in the market. Because as you said, the market is full of products. So why should you be there? Or why should I buy your brand? And now during Corona, I discovered that a lot of people are talking about sustainability. And I just wonder if this is a trend. Like, is this a way that people are trying to attract customers? Because for me, this would be very um, not ethical. You know, like you, 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 you are in the middle of a problem or not a problem. It's a crisis that we're all in it. And we're all facing, of course, like sales and business problems and then suddenly talk about sustainability. And I see it as a trend. I'm not sure if it's gonna last or not, but this is where I, I, I feel like comes also the trust issue with the brand. So do you see it as a trend or is it something that actually brands are gonna commit to it? You want to answer Claudio or? <laughs> <laughs> I think that like we had a pre-conversation before opening this open one. And I think that 
you're right for many brands and for many parts of the industry in general not only fashion that is a trend like what 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 should be what should we be tapping next what is what is the trend topic today let's do sustainability but we know that it again it, it comes with trust um we follow you we know what you're doing we i i do personally trust your honesty in your work and in your project and i think um that stands at the base of everything i think it it's, feels like a hype I, I i don't know if you see it also that way or not it's definitely a hype in the way it's promoted and portrayed but i think that um that it's going to last it's going to last. you cannot go back from it from it in a way okay. so um even the ones that do not fully believe it but they just say it because they have to eventually they will have to adapt that a to a word that is changing and they will give that as a new standard in a way and i'm i'm dealing with like family wise and personally like with international companies that that they say they're interested in it but in sustainability <laughs> not doing chief of anything uh if of anything about it uh but, but they make big proclaims uh on the press um they will have to come to terms with the lies eventually and people already knows that and they pointing fingers and the king is naked <laughs> yes and something that i would like to to add to that uh rim uh where first of all people Paul Rim has a beautiful brand. <laughs> Check it. Thank so you. you can put uh, the side because that is one of those examples of, of brands that she actually started from the heart because actually she she saw this laboratories, laboratories of, of amazing craftsmanship when it comes to shoemaking in Egypt. And she wanted to do to give work to these people. And she started the brand from that. So that and, and your brand is being very successful to be a small brand dream. So Thank when you. it comes to, to sustainability, something that I would like to add to that, and it's also to answer the last question of Isadora, and I, maybe this is an insight that it could be helpful for you know small, medium brands. It's about community. That is the energy that is shifting big time. It's about community. What you guys are doing here with the fashion clinic, it's a community. So you don't have to have like huge market. You have to have a tribe that follows you, that believes in your values. And, and I recommend, of course, uh, a book that me and Claudio love, which is from Seth Godin, Tribes. You know, I'm sure Habib also know it. So it's, it's about community. So your clients are like a family, like a standard family. This is how things are shifting. It's not anymore like a huge amount of people that buy your products. You, you need to have like a great group of loyal customers, followers that believe in what you're doing. And I think Reem, from what I see, you know, it, it always opens my heart to see in Instagram, everything you do, because you have that, you have achieved that. And believe me, the, the big brands that are doing the sustainable greenwashing thing, 
they, they are going to lose more and more those customers because people are shifting into, I want to buy products from someone that shares my values. I want to buy services from someone that is a like-minded individual like me. So like Claudia was saying, the king is naked. You cannot fake it anymore. You know, so I think that type of sustainability is here to stay because the energy is shifting into community connection and, you know, uh, from bottom to top, not anymore from top to bottom, right? Okay, it's yeah. good to know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Reem, I, I couldn't agree more with those guys. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, your question is really good, though, because what you're talking about is cynicism. You're talking about the cynical brands out there that will always go, what's, how am I going to be relevant on a, on a surface level? And, and that's, that, that's really interesting that you're bringing that out and asking that question. And I say, turn that, turn that question into an advantage for yourself and for your business. Because the, the authentic, you know, go back, go, going back to relevance and authenticity, the authentic brands in this area uh, who are making sustainability central to their premise, those brands, in my opinion, uh, uh, I think will stick around. I think will be there in the long term. And, and also, don't, don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to think small. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Sometimes it's not a bad thing to have five years where you are only you know, selling to a certain amount of customers and gaining followers and fans. And going back to Farah's point, creating that community. Don't be afraid of that. That's more valuable than you think. I worked on a brand called Corn a long time ago. You, 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 you know it, it's a Q-U-O-R-N. It's a vegetarian brand, right? And for years, for probably 20, 25 years, it was a very, very small community of fans. It was such, you know, and, and it, it didn't need to advertise. It just ran by itself because it had its fans. And, and I, I would say the same to you is that, you know, when, you, when you're trying to find your voice, just, you know, don't worry about being small, but worry about being relevant and genuine. That's, that's the thing to do. There are the cynical brands out there and they'll get found out. They'll always get found out by customers. Consumers are smart. It's a very nice advice. Thank you. Thank you for these answers. I also would love to welcome anybody with their questions. If you are struggling with something and you're building your business, now is your opportunity to ask questions. We're very lucky to have an incredible panel with us. You can take this opportunity. Yeah, please join our community. We are very excited to welcome people, hear your thoughts, hear your problems, um, so that we can solve them together. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. To, yeah. to everybody else, I'd like to ask the question, what's my generation missing? What's my generation missing from the narrative that's out there right now? Because you know, I constantly try and find that, you know, that's narrative in the zeitgeist, but, you know, it's getting harder and harder at my age. So I'd love to know <laughs> what's out there right now that's really relevant to you guys. Um, hi, can I ask a question? 
Yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name, well, you see, is Marta. I am from Mexico. I'm a fashion designer. Um, but I, I'm not sure if I, well, I don't want to do design. I would like to do research. But I don't know. Well, in my country, this is not very common. So I am like thinking about starting something or, well, I am having my doubts or maybe studying a master's degree or something like that. So I feel like I'm stuck. I graduated at December 2019 when the COVID started. <laughs> so it has been a, a mess and a whole emotional and confusing thing. So I don't know, I would like to ask, ask for an advice or, or your opinion or <laughs> what, what do you think is a good way to proceed. I love, I love what you just said, Habib, about um, don't worry. Well, don't worry about being like small, and just being relevant, and all your perspective about, well, and don't worry to start little and grow little by little. But, but yeah, I would like to ask for my specific case. What do you think? Thank you so much. Research is. Uh, you know, incredibly needed. Uh, I think you're from Mexico, right, Martha? And you're saying that it's, it's not so uh, prevalent or common to have research companies there. Fantastic. That's a need. I, I think that, you know, Mexico as a country is growing in stature. It's interesting if you've ever watched uh, uh, Ugly Delicious or anything like that, on Netflix, you'll know that there's so many interesting things happening in, in Mexico. I say, I say, grow your community and get yourself out there and say, say to people, I'm, I'm a researcher and I'm a good one. And how, what can I research for you? What, what is it that interests you? What, 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 is, what are the stories that you want to tell and how can I research those stories and bring them back to you in a relevant fashion? That, it's actually quite interesting when, when, when things aren't common in a particular country, because actually you've got a you've got a space to open, uh, you know, good, you've got open space to kind of enter into, uh, if if that makes sense. It's yeah. exciting. Um, can I uh, add something, um, Marta, that maybe can be helpful um, in the line to what Habib is saying? Um, I, I, I collaborated many years ago with WGSN, which is a trend research agency in the fashion industry. And, you know, like Habib is saying, you know, I, I always, uh, when I was there, they were very much interested in researchers from overseas, you know, from, from for example, they may be interested, not just WGSN, but the Stylus or whatever, you know, all those trend research agencies that you have in Europe, they definitely are interested to the research you can do in Mexico, because as, as Habib is saying, it's, it's a very interesting melting pot of ideas and, and movement. So creating bridges, it's something that is very, very positive and it, it always brings good. And so if you, if you start you know, collecting information, useful information for the fashion industry of you know, innovative processes that you find in Mexico and you contact these agencies and you say like, look, I'm a researcher, I would like to, you know, to, to contribute with you with, you know, what I can find in Mexico, they, I, I'm sure they will be super open to discuss with you. And 
not necessarily you need to do a master for that. You need to start doing it and have fun, you know? And, and that's all. I mean, a master, you know, always when I get this question, Prof, should I do a master after? Not necessarily. If you have very clear what you want to do, just start doing it. You don't need the master to validate what your heart knows that wishes to do. Start doing it, right? Yeah. Also, if I may, Mata, I think I, I used to, I, I, used, I, I had thoughts for like conferences and for brief periods in, Mexico, in Mexican universities. And I think that this is the right moment for you to, maybe, it's, maybe it might be a gut feeling and like sort of in a sense of fear because of the pandemic, but maybe you're in, you have an intuition as Pat I was saying, and, and the moment is right. I think Mexico is like definitely on the verge of becoming, of, of finding new things. And maybe you will be the lead for that. So make bridges, even think one thing that a lot of fashion designers, they're very reluctant to do is think outside fashion. You know, your contribution, your vision, your sensitivity can be applied to many, many industries. So do not stick only to clothes and accessories and underwear and whatever you have been majoring in. Like think about what, your sensitivity can bring to other words. And I've seen amazing fashion designers get into the food industry and make huge success because of, because of, because of their background. Fashion, vice versa, it's a very inclusive in terms of, um, it's, it's a vampire. And you know, like they, they like, in fact, in, in the architecture industry, it's always been it's it's always been weird that I was doing fashion, but in fashion I remember my first gigs and my first jobs. It was like, oh, how interesting! You're an architect. Bring your expertise. Bring your vision. Do you know? So, do you know? Think across. Uh, it's another suggestion. Yes. So maybe I I don't know. I should knock more doors. I I already talked with two persons from WGSN. Um, but they say like, oh no, we are interested like in people who speak Portuguese in Latin America. So maybe I should try <laughs> to learn Portuguese. I, I've been trying to knock doors, but but this is a, a very valuable. There aspect. are many, Marta. There are many, not just WGSN. There are a lot of amazing trend research companies out there, agencies. You know, you just do a research. You're a researcher. So do a research in all the trend research companies that you find. And as Claudia was saying, cross-contamination. So not just fashion trend research agencies, you know, food, for example, when it comes to what I know is their companies are very interested in, in both Mexico and Colombia when it comes to research is jewelry. So, you know, try to, to, to do a research in what companies are, you know, searching for that type of information. Martha, I think, Martha, I think there's 26 people on this call right now. Uh, if you were to connect to them all and present an article on a piece of research that you really feel passionate about, that's 26 people who are immediately going to know what you're about. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, I, I also started writing articles, so maybe I can share my profile and I will be very thankful if you could read, well, maybe an article I'm, I'm close to publish about. Well, yeah. Yes, thank, thank you so much for this space. Um, 
So I contact you. I will let you see my face. So Thank you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, so I would like to go to your. I would like to go a bit to back to your questions. What is relevant? Because I think we're pretty much the same age. Uh, I might be older, but anyway, uh, just you were younger. You guys, what is relevant for you guys, like teachers? No, serious, serious question. Anybody, please come forward with. You know, Claudia is absolutely right. One of the reasons we're here is because we want to learn as well. <laughs> I can. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, go, go, go. <laughs> I can um, relate to it, uh, not so much because I'm, I'm also old, I'm not very young. Um, but I think the internet is something that's making a huge uh, change or, or it has a very loud voice. Like an image can change everything. It can say so much, I think, than what used to be before. Um, I also think that um, it's not necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, to have the education. It's more of you can teach yourself. You don't need to go to this major, to this school anymore. You can teach yourself, make it a mission, make it a habit and have also um, a lot of talks and experience and always be curious to ask, to reach out. I feel like before uh, people not used to be shy, but there wasn't that much of uh, interaction and way of communicating and um, platforms. That's my personal uh, change. Interesting. I see Stacia also has her hand up. Please, Stacia. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you for joining. I, I, don't, I, I don't, hi Habib. Um, this has been really great by the way. Um, well done guys. Um, I, don't, I don't entirely disagree with Reem. However, it's difficult for me to say that because I'm the course leader of the, um, you know, the fashion entrepreneurship and innovation course. Um, but I, yes, I mean, I definitely think, you know, you, you the only way you're really going to learn is by doing and it it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get your master's or you know any type of you know special education in anything i mean i i started you know two of my fashion businesses before i even had an undergraduate degree i mean i i initially dropped out of um an undergraduate degree and then went on to you know work in marketing in, in New York City and and had a, a career um, before the recession hit and then and then a, a degree was a prerequisite to even get a job. So I ended up going back and you know uh, long story short kind of making my way to the, the position that I'm in now. And you're absolutely right. It is just about doing. I mean, when I did all of those things, I learned on the job. When I started up my businesses, I, you know, I didn't have any kind of design background. I just did it. And, you know, back in those days, I'm going to show my age here, um, you know, Google and I mean, Google existed, but it wasn't the Google that we have now. Um, I think might have even been called Ask Jeeves at the time. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it's, 
there's so many resources out there available. Um, and, you know, if you have a true entrepreneurial spirit, you'll just figure out a way to do things. Um, however, I will make the case that formal education does bring so many things to you for a sense of accomplishment. Um, I never felt more accomplished than when I finished my, you know, final master's project and, and received, you know, my, my merit for that. I was so proud of myself. Um, and I've, you know, I think there's something to that. There's also something to the connections that, um, you know, educational, um, you know, universities have, they, they just, they open, there's, you know, doors open and you have access to a lot of different people. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly in the fashion industry, you know, when you have London College of Fashion in, on your CV or even on your LinkedIn, it, it does open a lot of doors. So um, I definitely see both sides to that. Um, and I, I do think that education is, is, you know, is changing, sustainability is at the forefront. I know that was a big topic at the beginning of this discussion, you know, how do we change the game? Well, education is how you change the game. And I don't necessarily mean higher education, but if you're not getting it through higher education, where else are you gonna get it? Because it's just not being talked about enough on other levels. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, that was my meandering sort of defense of <laughs> um, education. <laughs> if I may, if I may, Stacia, I, I, I do agree with you on, on, on everything and I wouldn't trade my many years spent studying and my um, even odd educational experiences uh, from the past, but as an educator right now, I think that uh, what we're seeing is that the model of education has to evolve with the word. It doesn't mean to the lowest standards, but to change the, the cross-contamination to be uh, more fluid in a way and to respond um, and obviously to provide the, 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 um, the knowledge, the academic knowledge, but also to be sort of responding to the the times which are changing. And sometimes I, I still honestly see a lot of resistance. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Our course is designed, I mean, you can ask these guys, um, Isadora and Mark, and there's a couple of, of, of the other students, we don't even call them students, we call them team entrepreneurs on the course. Um, and when they come on the course, um, I'm sure they all think it's very weird <laughs> because we don't, we aren't, we, nothing about our course is traditional. We don't teach, we don't lecture. It's, it's about building a team. It's about building a community of practice. And I think it came up earlier as well about having a tribe, about building this community, about building. And that's exactly what we do on the course. It's all centered around learning by doing, learning from each other, sharing experiences, sharing knowledge. And um, yeah, so I, I, I couldn't agree more, Claudio. And I, I do think that education 100% needs to change and go more in the direction of self-determined learning and rather, you know, 
the students go away, do their own work, and then come in and talk about what worked, what didn't work, you know, what they'll take away from it, and, you know, sort of, um, yeah, ha having a better understanding of how they could do di things differently if, if things didn't work, and iterating, and researching, and being, you know, more curious, um, and all of that, because education, I think, traditional education seems to take that away, um, that curiosity and that creativity and that um, thinking differently. I think your program, your, the students in your program or the entrepreneurs in your program are very lucky, so. Yeah, we are, we've had a, a wonderful year. Um, I'm sorry to also disturb, I want to, um, I want to say that Habib informed me he has to leave, so we wanted to say, a nice goodbye. Um, people are more than welcome to stay and ask more questions if the other panelists would like to, who have time to stay, but we definitely hope that you all connect with us on social media, on Instagram, we have our own website, you can subscribe to our newsletter and thank you so much for all three of you to really, you know, join us and share your stories. It really means a lot that you were willing to do that. Simply enjoyed it. Thank you very much for inviting me. I hope I'm not disturbing you guys. Please carry on if you want to. I, I, I do have to go, but I wanted to say goodbye in the right way. Uh, what a fantastic initiative. Well done, everybody. Thank you very much for uh, including me. Thank you so much, Habib. Have a lovely evening. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye -bye. Thank you Habib. Hi, Habib. No, it was it was a pleasure to to participate, and and unfortunately, I have to also leave. <laughs> so, um, but it was great to to meet you, Habib, and and to meet all of you. And if you guys have more questions, I mean, go. You can contact me or via social or in my website. I will be happy to answer your questions without problem. So. Uh, um, we're here to continue the discussion in other platforms as well, worry not. And, and Isadora, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, and thank you for the lovely team. It was a pleasure to, to share this moment, this space with you. It really thank was. You. Thank you. We will wrap up now. Thank you. Uh, also, like, I, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. I'm very happy that and also on a personal level, like, thank you, Margot, but also on a personal level, thank you to Isadora, who's been a student of mine, and it's been a, like, a pleasure to meet her at the times in, in school, and now it's a pleasure again to see her such, with such dedication and such commitment uh, to new projects, and that's what we all look for when we do this job as educators, so, yes. Thank you really from the bottom of my heart. It, it makes my day. Thank you. And thank you everybody for joining us.